Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Paul Romando, and we'll explore a creative way to use Facebook ads to improve your video views. By the way, if you want to reach me, simply email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. This week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a cool alternative that is cross-platform for Apple's AirDrop called Plover. Clover? Plover, P-L-O-V-E-R. And for those that don't know what AirDrop is, kind of describe that. Yeah, so AirDrop is something that, I don't know, Apple, gosh, three, four, five years ago now, uh, announced and came out with for being able to basically transfer files from either an iOS to an iOS device or iOS to Mac or Mac to Mac. Uh, Over time, now basically any Apple device that's, you know, (laughs) work-related, you can send a file uh, there if you're on the same Wi-Fi. So think of that process, that uh, ability to, you know... Well, and you don't even need to be on Wi-Fi. I think it's Bluetooth. I think you just have to be in range. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there are different. Because I mean, I've been, different I've been outside at events where I'm around people and I airdrop it to them, and their phones just magically show up. Yeah. So the so the difference with Plover is you go to plover.io, p-l-o-v-e-r.io, and then every, anybody that's on that same Wi-Fi network, and you know preferably it's password protected. Uh, but again, you could do this in public, so be aware. Um, it allows you to drag and drop files to anyone on any device. All you do is you go there and then it shows you are a certain animal and it says they are a certain animal and you just select them and you select the file on your device, whether that's, again, in your iOS device, your Android device, your Windows, your Mac, and you can send it to multiple people at once too. Yeah, I just went there and it said you are Badger uh, in yellow varied something or another. And it says, seems like no one is around you at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I guess if somebody else in our offices went to this website, this would allow us to kind of share documents. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So if say one of our other people in the office went to plover.io, they would show up as some other animal and then you would be able to click on their animal and a little file selection thing would pop up and you'd just select the file real quick and, or you can drag it to that website. And the, and the cool thing is, is this is browser-based, so you don't have to get into the nuts and bolts of 
you know, yeah, like on we used to have to have everybody log into Skype if we were going to do something like this. That you know? too, yes, yes, and and in, you know, one of the headaches on AirDrop is is there are different levels to, um, you know, share with my friends, share right. with everyone, share with no one. With this, it's like, hey, go to Plover real quick. I got something for you. Boom, boom, it's done. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. This is really cool. I mean, I can definitely see myself using this with like, hey, my daughter needs me to send her that picture real quick. I could text her, but if I just say, hey, tap that, that, uh, you know, plover icon on your phone, it'll pop it open in her mini browser and then boom, I'll see her and I'll send it to her and then it'll pop and be there. It's almost like, uh, what's that video based service that's uh, a 10 dot in or something like that? Um, I, oh, appear.in? Appear.in. It's kind of like that, right? You just go there, and as long as you have the URL. Yes. That's that's exactly it. Except yes. the difference is that there is no unique URL here um, that you share no. with people remotely. This is only people that are on your Wi-Fi network. Is that what I hear yeah. you saying? Yes. So the unique URL aspect of this is being on the same Wi-Fi network. Fascinating. Yeah. So I'd imagine it's not going to work on your mobile phone when you're on an LTE network or anything like that. No, no. Yeah, because it won't. Sh- you won't show up on that Wi-Fi network. Uh, that because you're not on a Wi-Fi network. Exactly. So cool, and it's totally free, huh? Totally free, and they say, by the way, we don't want your files. Storage is expensive, so we're just uploading it temporarily, yeah. and then it gets deleted right after. It sounds like a peer-to-peer kind of a thing. So yeah. P l o v e r dot i o. Thank you, Eric, for that new find. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for today's interview with Paul Romando. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Paul Romando. If you don't know who Paul is, he is a Facebook ads expert who vlogs about digital marketing. His agency helps people generate leads and sales using Facebook ads, and he's got a course called Funnels 101. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. How are you going? Things are going well. Today, you and I are going to explore how to get people engaged with Facebook videos using ads, and I'm excited about this because... I know that uh, Facebook ads and video is a hot topic, but before we get into it, I'd love to hear a little bit of your story. How did you get involved with Facebook ads? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll try to give you in the nutshell version of um, how I got uh, really involved with Facebook ads. So uh, back in the day, I used to be really into my music. I was a massive emo kid and um, (laughs) I wasn't really much of a talented musician. However, I really enjoyed just going down to local shows and I wanted to be involved in any way, shape, 
that I could, right? So um, I got involved in the local events management company and started running shows. And this was in about 2008. And this is at a time where print media was still a, like still a thing, but it was quite expensive. It was also a time where Facebook wasn't really big in Australia, but MySpace was really huge specifically for the music scene. So basically got my start um, in social media marketing, running uh, promotions through MySpace because it was free, right? As opposed to dropping $300 in a traditional print media um, magazine to get people down to local shows. So that's kind of how it all started for me and um, kind of how my, I guess, my love of marketing started. And at around the same time, I went to university and I studied marketing at uni. And um, I think following that, I've been about six to eight months just working odd jobs because it was really hard for me to get a start in the uh, in the corporate world, so to speak. And I ended up getting a uh, my first job, my first career job at a social media startup agency here in uh, Perth in Western Australia. And in that role, um, I was basically just doing a lot of, this is all pre-IPO Facebook, so I was doing a lot of really organic, um, mainly just organic content creation on Facebook and across other social platforms, but mainly on Facebook. And we just had started playing around with Facebook ads. And Facebook ads, you know, pre-IPO Facebook, <laughs> they were very, um, very, very basic, you know, really, really basic standard sidebar ads and really limited in terms of the targeting options that you could use. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started, Mike, but uh, once I once I got my head around it, I, I pretty much I was hooked, like absolutely, absolutely hooked. And um, fast forward a few years when they introduced the Facebook Pixel uh, and you could start tracking, you know, <laughs> as well as Google Analytics, but you could start tracking with a Facebook Pixel what people were doing on your website. And specifically, if you were doing e-commerce side of things, if you're generating sales online, you could actually see the dollars and cents that the dynamic dollars and cents that your ad spend generated. And when I realized that you could accurately track your return on investment and your return on ad spend from your media spend, I was just absolutely hooked, absolutely hooked. And I think that's for, that for me, that's where it kind of all changed. And I just went, uh, I just went all in on, on Facebook ads. And, um, I remember I worked, uh, before I started my company, I worked, um, <laughs> I worked at a bunch of different agencies and I also, uh, worked client side. And I remember, um, just before, uh, six months prior to or the first six months of starting my company, um, I was working on this building this really big e-commerce funnel for one of my clients. And basically, uh, we had about a $6,000 media spend and I built a funnel specifically around using Facebook to generate, uh, targeted traffic. Uh, you know, from our qualified audience that we'd already uh, found in the past, just using Facebook ads or using the Facebook audience research tool and built a multifaceted e-commerce funnel where basically using Facebook to connect each stage of that funnel. So taking them from initial awareness, just through, you know, generating links to or clicks to blog articles and then converting those, um, that kind of warm traffic, free qualified traffic into more qualified leads, you know, through a lead magnet and then retargeting those uh, qualified leads that had signed up to the lead magnet with, you know, our final proposal at the end of it. And I remember we spent about $6,000 and we generated $164,000 worth of sales wow. in a 34 day period, That's crazy. which was, yeah, it was crazy. Right. And, <laughs> um, so that's like a 27, uh, 27 X return and, uh, return and ad spend. And I think that's, that was where it really, like I was already really hooked on Facebook ads, Mike, but when we did that, it was just, I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is so cool. It's so much fun. And I'm a massive nerd, Mike, but I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. And that's kind of how it all started for me. Awesome. Um, well, I also know that you are, you're vlogging 
your video blogging and um, yep. tell me about your experience uh, vlogging specifically on Facebook. Yeah, so I uh, I started vlogging on uh, about a year ago, probably just over a year ago now, and I, I started vlogging on YouTube and it wasn't really, so there was no real, when I started doing it, it was more just of a creative outlet that I was like, oh, this can be done along with my business, but it was I was just looking for another creative outlet um, with all the work that I do. And I had about a hundred subscribers on my YouTube channel and I had a way larger following on my Facebook page. I think I had like 4,000 or so likes at that point. Um, and I'm, as I'm sure like a lot of people can relate to, like I was spending a lot of time creating content and because I was pushing it out just to my YouTube channel to begin with, where I only had a hundred subscribers, it was, people weren't engaging with the content. I mean, they were engaging with the content, but the reach was really, really small because I was limited to the, you know, hundred or so subscribers that I had on YouTube. So I asked myself, well, how can I get more people viewing my vlogs? And naturally I thought of my Facebook page and then I started repurposing all of these vlogs, right? And because you spend so much time making the vlogs, I was like, I need to get more people to see them. So I repurposed them to, to my Facebook page and uh, all of a sudden, you know, and outside of, you know, I guess from initially a vanity perspective, I was getting hundreds more views on my vlogs compared to YouTube. Being the nerd that I am, Mike, I, dig, I dug in and I did a deep dive on the analytics and the uh, page insights uh, from my Facebook page. And I started comparing them to what was happening to my YouTube subscribers, also people that were watching my vlogs on YouTube. And I noticed that people that were watching my vlogs on Facebook, and they're about a you know 10 to 12 minute vlog on average. I noticed that people that were watching my vlogs on Facebook were only actually watching about 10 to 15% of each episode, which is basically like one to two minutes of like a 10 minute or so vlog. Now, for me, this is kind of surprising because I looked at the analytics as well on my YouTube channel and the consumption of the media, the consumption of my vlogs on my YouTube channel was really, really different um, to the average watch time, the consumption of my vlogs on Facebook. So on Facebook, I was getting 10 to 15% of people watching uh, an episode. And then on my YouTube channel, despite only having a small you know, subscriber base at that time, about 100 people, I was getting people watching on average more than 40% of the same episodes. So that naturally got my inner nerd thinking a bit, Mike, and I was asking myself a lot of questions and specifically, why is my YouTube audience consuming my content in a different way to my Facebook audience, who in my mind had arguably had, I had a way stronger relationship and relevance with because I'd been, you know, creating content, pushing content out and building my Facebook following my Facebook audience for years. And um, I guess that kind of got me to the point where I was like, well, I want people on Facebook my audience on Facebook to engage with my content longer. I can target them with ads to get and generate more awareness through that. Why aren't they, why aren't they sitting down and why aren't they actually watching my content as long as what I want them to as well, or as long as what people on YouTube are. Um, and I think this is also, I'm just, so this is yeah about this time last year. And this was when uh, Facebook video ads started to get really, really hot, Mike. And, um, uh, <laughs> on basically last year, I realized that like, you could achieve like subs, so below one cent video views. I think some some of the video ads I was running last year, I was getting 0.002 cents per three second video views for my clients. And that got me thinking, I was like, I wonder if I can leverage the heavily underpriced cost of running video view ads on Facebook because I was so cheap, right? Whilst simultaneously optimizing those video ads in a way that allows people, in a way in which I can get people to or encourage people to watch that content 100% of the way through, right? So 100% video views. And um, I guess 
another way of putting that is like, how can I run my Facebook ads for my vlogs that get people to actually watch my videos all the way through instead of just for three seconds? Right. So I think, I mean, this is, this is interesting. So what I'm hearing you say is that you were publishing a, uh, a vlog on YouTube and on Facebook, not all on like what we did, uh, with the journey. Ours were about seven or eight minutes. And um, you found that the people on YouTube watch them longer than the people on Facebook. So then you thought to yourself, maybe you could put some money behind um, these same videos, turn them into ads somehow, and as a result, get people to, to watch them longer. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, that, that was it. That, that was basically the, uh, the, that was the goal that was sitting at the top of my head throughout this whole process. And I think when I was asking myself that question, I kind of set myself that goal in the back of my mind. It really got me thinking about, the difference in consumption psychology between people that sit down and watch YouTube videos and people that sit down and watch Facebook videos, right? So, and I thought about my own consumption behavior and I'm, I'm quite lucky in the sense that I'm somewhat part of my own target market, if that makes sense. So I was like, all right, well, if this is what I'm doing, maybe that's what people on or people my target audience are also doing. So when I go to YouTube and I don't know about you, Mike, or about um, the listeners, but when I go to YouTube, it's specifically because I want to sit down. I, I think of it like TV, right? I sit down and I want to watch some TV, and I go through and I look through all my, you know, favorite, um, my favorite vloggers, my the, my favorite channels that I'm subscribed to, and I'll sit down and I will just go on a, you know, an hour long, maybe an hour and a half long watch session because I'm enjoying all the content. It's all high quality, and I really enjoy it. Whereas, and then I was thinking about when I sit down on Facebook and when I'm using Facebook, my psychology towards video is really different because I'm not sitting down on Facebook to watch TV. I'm sitting down on Facebook to either check my Facebook messengers or just do a quick little scroll through my feed and see what's going on. Or if I'm procrastinating, Mike, I just do a quick little scroll. But often it's kind of like in between what I'm doing with the rest of my life as opposed to sitting down and spending countless hours consuming content for the purpose of consuming content. So... Yep, go on. Oh, well, that's I get it. So let me ask you this then. Um, and I agree with you 100%. I think that Facebook is disruptive. And the idea with Facebook is that, you know, you're scrolling through the feed and maybe you'll see a video. And this is why the watch times on Facebook are not very good today. I think that's going to change yep. as the watch program begins to roll out and more people think of it as a destination to kind of sit yep. back, if you will, and consume the content. So um, what did you... I want to get into how you use the ads to get people yep. to watch the video longer. Um, can you tell, 100%. Me what you tell me what you did there? Yeah, yeah. So what I realized in terms of when I was consuming all my consumption behavior and my consumption psychology behind the videos on Facebook, I wasn't, con- like I was saying, I wasn't actually consuming any of the videos for longer than a few seconds and I was just you know scrolling through my feed. However, on the odd chance that I was sitting down, I had time and I went, started watching, if I'm sitting on the couch, maybe on an ad break when I'm watching normal TV or I'm just on the couch and I'm on my phone and then I get on a really good loop on with videos that I'm consuming, you actually go into a different feed, the suggested video feed. And that got me thinking, I'm like, I've just sat, I remember one, one afternoon I sat down and I watched about half an hour to 45 minutes of video content. Like just, it was all organic and there was a few ads in between them, but I was sitting down and that was coming through my suggested video feed. And I think that's where I had this aha moment. I was like, okay, if I'm transient, I'm using Facebook just normally, then I'm not really spending much time watching videos. And that's probably why people are also only watching 10 to 15% of my actual vlogs. But if I'm in the suggested video feed, 
my psychology is way more consumption orientated. I'm like, I want to keep watching more videos because I'm, I'm watching videos entertain me. So then I was like, I wonder if there's a way that I can run ads to capitalize on that kind of consumption psychology hypothesis that I had. Oh, okay. So, wait, 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 pause for a second. So, yep. um, if someone watches a video, doesn't another recommended video immediately come up and are they moved into that suggested video feed at that point or do they actually have to click around to get there in the first place? Do you know? So it's all it's all automated. The, the feeds actually just changed recently in terms of the aesthetics of how it looks. Um, but basically, if you watch a video all the way through, it'll fire up and load another video assuming you don't take any action. So, so, assuming so you it don't moves you into that feed essentially, right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Correct. It moves you Correct. into a suggested loop. Okay, fascinating. Correct. All right, so keep going. So that's it. And I think that's really, that's a really important point, Mike. Like it only moves you, like it starts you in the feed, but it only moves you onto the next video once you've already consumed one video to its full, like in, in, in its entirety. Right, right. Right. And that's why I was like, oh, well, if people are now sitting down and they're hooked and if you get a stream of good videos on your Facebook, like, and I was saying before, like I've done it, like you'll sit down you're like, okay, I'm, like let's keep watching videos. And I was like, I wonder if there's a way that I could run ads to capitalize on people like myself when they are in that video watching mindset and get in front of them so they can actually watch at a time in which they're psychologically primed or ready, more so than just being in the normal feed or just being on Facebook doing whatever, to watch my videos all the way through. And then also capitalize on how cheap the costs, it's just so underpriced, Mike, how cheap the cost of running those video ads are, right? So I started playing around with the Facebook ads and... I started running some tests and I'm not sure um, if for, for everyone listening, when you're doing Facebook ads, there are a bunch of, you can customize all of your placement options, right? And one of the placement options that was a new one when I first started, uh, first started this ad test last year was the suggested video feed. And that's where I was like, Eureka, like Eureka, I, I can run video ads and specifically target them to the suggested video feed because I, based on my hypothesis, people are going to be way more engaged, which means there's going to be way higher likelihood that I can run ads to these people in the suggested video feed where they're actually going to watch them 100% of the way through. So at that moment, you decided to take your vlog videos and make them into ads and target them to people that essentially, you know, you know, would likely watch them all the way through. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Correct. Correct. So it was basically taking my existing targeting parameters for the audiences which I target on Facebook. And then it was combining them and delivering them to the placement in the suggested video feed with the overarching goal of getting the people, and this, these are all cold people in my target audience, right? But the goal, the overarching goal was to get them to watch the videos 100% of the way through. And I mean, if not 100%, like over 95% of the way through, which is a pretty massive feat when you consider that like, it's a 10 to 12 minute vlog and it's on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what happened? Tell me what were the results so, of messing with that? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I, I, like, I, I was, just, I was actually shocked. Like I ran a test for about, um, I think it was, you know, 20 or so a day period. And I ran, I spent $207 and 27 cents on the ads. And over that period, the campaign generated, uh, 455 video views at 100%. So, I spent $207.27 targeting cold traffic in my target audience, and I generated 455 video views in which people watch the videos 100% of the way through. So 12 minute. So it cost you about 50 vlog. seconds, 50 cents a view approximately, if I'm doing my math yeah. right. 
Yeah. And by why. the way, folks, this is really important. A uh, little caveat I want to add in here. If you go in, you look at your Facebook insights on your videos, most people never make it past 90%. So like you could have 4,000 views on a video and the number of people that make it to 100% is going to be really, really small. So to get to the point where you have 200 and some people who finished a video in an organic kind of sense, you, you might have had to have thousands of people start that video because so many people tend to abandon. And you were able to do that, you know, at, at 50 cents a view. Now, I guess this does beg the next question. What is the reason why you would want someone to watch a vlog 100% through? Is it with the hope that they're going to become a subscriber on your channel or whatever? Or is it just personal branding? Give me a little more thoughts on why someone would want that if it's just purely vlog content. Yeah, absolutely. So it's for, for my brand, the vlog content's very much specifically focused on building depth, building brand equity with my audience, right? Educating, I call it infotainment. So I try to entertain, but also educate and provide value at the same time, right? And the reason, I mean, you touched on a few of the reasons as to why um, I wanted people to, I want people to watch all the content all the way through. Like I want to build that brand. I want to build, build that brand equity. I also want to encourage people to move over to my YouTube channel so I can build my subscribers over there. Mm -hmm. But also I want to build just a better relationship and depth with my audience. I want to, I want to be able to personify my brand and who I am as much as I can through my video content. And I think video is one of the best tools that you can have to do that. And that was, that was the main, uh, were you targeting main, new fans or were you targeting, um, non-fans instead of curiosity? So cold traffic. Um, wow. a combination of cold traffic, uh, in my like hyper targeted cold traffic. So I, I have a very, uh, very good understanding cause I've run thousands of dollars worth of ads for my own brand. Um, and through, you know, years of trial and error, I have very good understanding, uh, when, with the kind of people that my content resonates with, uh, the most and, um, the, the avatar, I guess, um, in terms of what they look like. So I was running it to cold traffic within the demographic and, uh, sociographic, uh, limitations of my avatar of my audience. Awesome. So if you who are listening right now does what we do at social media examiner and you have a show like the journey and you are trying to get that show in front of an audience and it doesn't have to be cold, right, Paul? I mean, it could be a warm audience, Oh no, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, and it could be pretty targeted as well. We're going to go ahead and kind of dive through, um, um, Paul's process here and uh, the strategy on how to, how to do all this. So why don't you go ahead and start that? Um, where, where do we begin? So I would, uh, for anyone, anyone listening that's wanting to do this for their own, uh, for their own branded video content, their own blogs, I think the most important thing that you can do to start with is just upload the video organically. And that's especially if you have a few videos in this series, like um, Mike does and the social media examiner does with the journey, right? Upload them organically and see how they perform. And I, I think this is really good, for not only just for video ads, but just also for um, just content in general before you run, uh, put money behind it. I always use my organic, the performance of a piece of content or a video or the organic performance to test whether it's worth putting money behind, right? Mm -hmm. Because if if the content flops, not saying it will, but if the content flops organically, I mean, there could be a few reasons for it, but let's say you put four videos out and one of the videos is an absolute standout. It makes more sense to, it's kind of a split test within itself because it makes more sense to choose the best performing content to put money behind. Otherwise, you could be potentially leaving money on the table, leaving views on the table. So upload your content 
um, pick the best performing content or best best performing video. And in terms of just general, before we even create any of the ads, um, make sure that you've got a really attention grabbing thumbnail for the video. And if that thumbnail has, has text in it, make sure that that thumbnail image has less than 20% text because we don't want Facebook to penalize us for uh, having more than 20% of the text in our thumbnail. Crazy that question. Will lead to a, Crazy question. Yeah. Um, is there any reason we can't use the organic um, video that's already got legs um, and somehow, you know, bring all those views together into one ad? That's exactly that's exactly what we that's exactly what we want to do. Which is why I recommend uploading the video organically first as well. Got it. Oh, and and this is fascinating. So the twenty percent rule on the thumbnails obviously does not apply to YouTube. So we tend Correct. to create really crazy big thumbnails. Um, uh, for our organic videos. Or YouTube, yep. Well, and, and we use the same ones on Facebook. Um, but it's interesting. So we would have to, if we we're going to take that and turn that into an ad, we would have to alter the thumbnails, what I'm hearing you say, right? Correct. That's, yeah. And that's exactly what I do. So I'll upload, I have two thumbnails, one thumbnail for YouTube, one thumbnail for Facebook. The YouTube one's like way more like bang in your face, like huge text, like super super attention grabbing text because it's encouraged on YouTube thumbnails, but I still, I, I, then I recreate that same thumbnail, but reduce the text significantly so that it only falls within 20% of the image. Because if you're going to be throwing ads behind it, just like any uh, ad creative that you're putting on Facebook, it needs to have less than 20% text if you don't want to be penalized. Mm. Even though it's auto playing inside of a feed and they're never going to see it, it still matters is what I'm hearing you say, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because uh, if you're running it as an ad, Facebook are going to penalize you and you'll see it in um in your in the ads uh creative section of um of so, ads manager so you'll pay more it'll for give it. you a little yellow yeah you will interesting um more, you pay more and you'll get less reach that's good um okay so um is there any other i know you've got a strategy that um we might want to talk through that might be different than just uploading 100%. this stuff so if you want to go ahead and start yep. go for that Yep. So, so one last thing I will say about when you're uploading the video initially or uh, organically to your Facebook page, if you there's a service called um, Rev R E V dot com, which is basically a transcription caption service, and you can just give them the link to your Facebook video, and they'll go through and they'll trans uh, give you a transcript or a, a subtitle file that you can then also embed into your video. And then for me, this is just a best a way of using best practices. And if you've got a video in which people don't let's say they can't listen to, uh, like can't listen to it because they don't have any sound, but they've now got subtitles because you've uploaded those subtitles. It's also going to grab those people that can't listen and they'll continue watching the video because the video has context because it's now got a subtitle file. Yep. And the technical phrase for that is SRT file. Um, That's and, correct. and we use those, we didn't used to use those, but we use them now. And, um, it does cover up the part bottom part of the video. <laughs> so it can mess yeah, that's right. with lower yep. thirds or whatever if you've got that kind of stuff going on in the video. So awesome. Let's let's like step back with uh, and and well not step back but step into your strategy now. So like if somebody doesn't even know, you know, what videos or whatever that they want. I mean, like where do, where do we start strategically? Let's say that we're convinced we want to do the Paul Romando way. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? And we maybe yep. we don't even know which videos like where do we start? Cool. So um, I think first start with uh, the question and let's just assume the question that you or the goal in which you're trying to achieve is I want to create video ads specifically for the purpose of getting people to watch the content 100% of the way through. Okay. Right. So 
that's that's what we need to have in the back of our heads because when you're creating any ad set or any campaign, the overarching goal is going to dictate what you do as you know at the campaign level, at the ad set level, and also at that ad level. So that's that's the overarching goal that we're trying to achieve. Then I would just have a think about what kind of content you can use to achieve that goal. And we've already just run through that. So we'll just assume that it's, let's just say it's for the, um, for the journey, the social media examiner, um, video, video vlog series. So that's our content. And then basically go into ads manager, um, ads manager and power editor are now combined. So one or the other hop in there and you want to create a new campaign. And when you're creating that campaign, give it a name and what you want to do is choose a campaign objective called video views. And once you've done that, you'll then be able to create an ad set. So you can create the ad set and name it, and then you can go through and worry about creating the ads later. So once you've gone through and you've created the campaign for a video view campaign, you need to go through and set up your targeting, right? So for social media examiner, let's say that we want to, uh, for those that video series, let's say that we want to just target uh, people that uh, have already liked the social media examiner Facebook page. Super, keep it super, super simple, and we'll just target them worldwide. So you'd set um, set your daily budget or you could set a lifetime budget and then you go down in the audience creation part of uh, your ad set and you just go and click on the connections and then you want to target people who like your page and you type in the social media examiner uh, Facebook page or whatever your Facebook page is called if, um, if you're doing it at home. And that's ba- the most basic kind of targeting done. Now, and in our case, is, um, let's say that we want the people that watch the journey to come to our conference and we know that they generally live in America. So at that point, we could probably target people who are fans of our page and who are in the United States, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What about desktop versus mobile when it comes to this stuff? Yeah. So I was just about to get into that, Mike. I'm really, I'm really glad you said that. So uh, when you go down so underneath uh, the audience section of inside of the ad set, you scroll down and you've got the placement options, right? Now, Facebook usually by de- default will have automatic placements uh, selected. And when you have automatic placements selected, it's just really, there's nothing else you can see. We don't, we, we definitely don't want to do automatic placements. So what we want to do is click edit placements. And then you've got the first uh, option, which asks you, do you want to target all devices, AKA desktop and mobile, or do you want to make it more specific? So, in, in my experimentation and from the results that I've been able to achieve, I found the best results, you can get the best, uh, lowest one cost per 100% video views by running your ads on mobile. So you would choose mobile for the device type. Why do you think that is? And I think it comes back to, and this is just, you know, I don't have the statistics. Well, I mean, all of my data points that <laughs> desktop is just way more expensive, um, like with all, I mean, hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of media spend on uh, Facebook ads for both my, my own brand and for all my clients over the years. And my hypothesis is, and this is across all industries, more often than not, apart from sidebar ads, when you're doing really hyper retargeting at the bottom of an e-commerce funnel, desktop ads are way more expensive than mobile ads. And my hypothesis and my thought process behind it is because people are spending way more time on their mobiles consuming Facebook than they are in desktop right? So immediately that's a supply and demand thing. If you've got way more people, a higher supply of attention on mobile, then naturally it's going to be, you're going to get in front of more people and it's going to cost you less money because there's way more supply as opposed to there being less people spending time on Facebook on desktop, if that makes sense. Do you also think that uh, people that are um, 
on a break with their phone, you know, are going to be leaning back and watching video a little more than if they're sitting at their desktop or whatever. Um, well, I, I think so. And not only that, I think mobile is a really transient thing as well, right? Like on your way to work, on the train, on the bus, like you're on your phone, you're not, you're not going to pull out your laptop. You might have your laptop with you, but you're not going to pull out your laptop and watch your video. Right. Right. And also if you're on your desktop, I think it goes back to that psychology thing. Like assuming you're not procrastinating, you're at work and you're not on Facebook, you're doing work. And then if you're on lunch, you're not in front of your computer you're going out to the park or I don't know what people do, but you know, you're, you're stepping away from your computer. And then the second you step away from your computer, you've got your mobile device. And if you're having downtime and you just want to watch some, some content on Facebook or YouTube, it's the mobile device that's giving, getting going to get that attention. Now I don't watch a lot of videos on uh, my phone and I'm just maybe ignorant when it comes to this, but you know, most people hold their phone vertically in their hand when they click in to hit play on a video does it take over the whole screen? Do they have to rotate their phone? So uh, they would have to rotate their phone. So it can play vertically. I think it all comes down to preference, right? I've got a bunch of friends that always have the uh, horizontal lock on in on their iPhone. Mm-hmm. So they, you can't even turn. I'll, go to, I'll be like watching the content on their phone. I'm like, this is annoying. It's too small on the screen. So I've got right. to rotate the phone. And then... I can't because I've got the lock feature on and I'm like, oh, interesting. So I think it, it's really personal preference. The video will play both vertically and horizontally, but I think it's really up to your personal preference. Well, on a mobile device, when the video does play, it essentially takes over the screen, right? So you don't have the you don't have the other pings of the browser and all that other stuff distracting you typically when you're watching a video on mobile where you would when you're on desktop. So that's, that's also very true. I didn't even think about that. That's a really good point, Mike. You know, because once you open that video, it takes over the whole screen and it's an immersive kind of thing where on the desktop, it never is. And, um, that might be why it's more uh, likely you'll get a hundred percent view. Um, I really like that. I never thought about that. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Facebook refers to uh, lean forward and lean back content. Lean forward is the live content. Lean yep. back is like the stuff that you want to be entertained a little bit longer. So, yeah, interesting. So there let's go. keep going. What else we got here? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, so we basically just selected our mobile de- uh, our device type as mobile only, and then you're going to see all of the different platforms on Facebook's uh, advertising network that you can run ads on. Basically, what you want to do is untick all of them, except for suggested videos mm. and feeds. Now, in a in a in a in a perfect world, we would just be able to untick all of them and just leave suggested feeds on. However, uh, Facebook won't let you do that. So, in order for you to run videos in the suggested video feed, you have to also have mobile video feeds turned on. So, which are the ones we have to click? We have to click. Say those two again that we have to have clicked. So, Facebook at first uh, first one is feeds. Have that one ticked. Yep. And the second one and the most important one that you have to have ticked is suggested videos. I see. So you cannot do just suggested videos. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then, um, and then what? Right, it'd be awesome if you could, but they are, they're not letting us do it. So that's cool. Um, so that's, that's all we're doing in terms of platform targeting. And then uh, under optimization and delivery, I always like to choose optimize ad delivery for 10 second video views which is basically where Facebook will deliver your, your ads to the right people to help you get the most video views at 10 seconds or more at the lowest cost. Okay. And that's basically it for the ad set targeting side of, side of things for now. So basically you close that ad set and then you go into the ads option within that ad set and create a new ad. Now remember that we've already uploaded 
the video that we're trying to promote organically to Facebook. And we've already done all the optimization for the thumbnail. We've added the SRT subtitle files. Everything's ready to go. So when you're in the ad option, basically what you want to do is go and click on use existing post. Hmm. You click use existing post and then it's going to give you a drop down menu and it will let you choose the video that you want to promote, which you've already uploaded and already optimized for. So remember before, Mike, how you were saying, is there a way which we could collate all of the video views so that we're not running separate video ads and then all of the data is basically being accumulated in one place? This is the way in which you do that. Perfect. Now, and, let me ask you this yeah, a quick question. Is there, when, you, when it comes to split testing ads, um, I would imagine if you're using an existing post, you can't really edit anything. Is that correct? Yeah, so basically, um, once you choose an existing post, uh, in this case, an existing video post, you want to make sure that it's like ready to go. Because once you hit that publish button, you won't be able to change that existing post, even organically. I've And I've tried to do it. And maybe it's changed since the last time I tried to do it, which is a few weeks ago. But at this point in time, I don't know of a way in which you can change an organic post's copy, uh, call to action, whatever, once you've Create an ad like content, a, create a new ad, but then you will lose all that historical data and all the historical video views, which are also a prime a primer for increased uh, increased engagement. Because if you think about it, let's say you've put the that ad or you put that video out organically, it's gotten say fifty reactions, you know, four shares and eleven comments. That historical data, when you're running ads against those that organic post that historic data is going to be kept with that organic post, which is going to be a nice little psychological primer to get people to be like, oh, actually, maybe maybe I will watch this video because it's got a decent amount of engagement and other people already like it, if you know what I mean. Totally. What's next? Cool. So um, basically next, um, you've set up, that's the most basic way to set your ads up. And then it's just a matter of hit and publish. If you wanted to, you could add a call to action button. Uh, however, because remember, well, wait, wait, let me let me back. How much money should we put behind this, right? I mean, did we skip uh, that part? I, yeah, well, actually, we did. So um, you can. It's it's really up to your budget, but I always recommend, and I still do this with. If I'm spending ten thousand, twenty thousand um, dollars in terms of media spend for a, one of my clients for one of their e-commerce funnels, I will usually and also depending on the time frame of the campaign, but I usually start with a five dollar to ten dollar daily budget at most. Got it. And what are you look, what are you looking for when with that budget? Absolutely. So the reason that we I go so low is because I don't want to spend money, my money, my client's money, anyone's money, or spend an unnecessary amount on it on an audience which may not be the best audience to spend that on. So the reason that we're spending such a low amount of money is to test which audiences and how they respond and at what kind of cost per one hundred percent video view that response is going to give us so that we can then optimize for it further down the track without actually spending, you know, $100, $200 in a day. You could spend $100, $200 in a day and you could waste all of it if your targeting's off. So it's just a really good way to hedge your bets. And it's a really smart, uh, smart way to give you a platform of data that you can actually make real decisions uh, based on real feedback that you're getting from your audience that you can then optimize for, improve, and then once you've found your optimized audience, you can then turn up the, the amount of money or open that spending tap and just let it roll. So I guess then, and maybe I missed this or we didn't talk about this yet, but when we go through this setup process that you talked about earlier, maybe uh, one audience that you're testing is your existing fans in the United States and the other audience would be your existing fans outside the United States. 
and maybe a third audience would be a lookalike audience. Is that what I'm hearing you say? A hundred percent. So yeah, you're right. We didn't, we didn't touch on that. So, um, I recommend creating the campaign ad set and ad in the process in which I just described hit publish. And that way, you know, that all of the variables in that campaign are consistent. Then at once you've done that, go and duplicate the ad set to one or two more times and do an ABC or AB or ABC test like you just described. So basically you split test the same ad creative with different audiences at a $5 daily budget. And you do that to see which ad sets are performing the best based on your overarching goal. So like you said, Mike, and uh, one another audience that you would change uh, for the second split test or for the B split test would be uh, people that like Social Media Examiner that are outside the United States. And then the third one might be um, a lookalike audience. Perfect. All right. So um, let's say we've got some ads running. How long should we run them before we decide what to do with them? Absolutely. So let's say that you're running uh, $5 a day across those three ad sets, right? And I would recommend running them for anywhere between, let's just call it seven days, right? Basically, you want to give Facebook enough enough data or you want to generate, give Facebook enough time so you can generate enough data outside of, outside of the learning period uh, of the ads so that you have enough data to make real judgment calls based on what's performing and what's not performing. So how long is that then? So seven, seven days. Oh, seven days. Okay. Sorry. I must've spaced it there. <laughs> That's okay. No worries. Okay. No so worries. at least seven days is what I'm hearing you say, right? At least, at least. Okay. And at least enough time to pass so that you have, I, I think for me, the rule of thumb is seven days, which usually works out to be like over a thousand, uh, more, more than a thousand impressions on each individual, uh, ad set. Now, once you've got some seven days of data, how do you go about like analyzing things? Tell me about how you you know, what do you do from there? I guess is the question. Cause I would imagine you could go deeper and do all sorts of interesting things, right? A hundred percent. And this is where, um, this is where the overarching goal really comes into play, right? The op- when you're optimizing your ad sets, you optimize your ad sets based on the way in which you would optimize an ad set in one campaign will be different to the way in which you optimize an ad set in a different campaign, because the overarching goal is what's going to dictate how you go about optimizing it. So earlier I said, we are optimizing for 100% video views, and that's the goal. We want people to watch this content, these vlogs, these videos, as long as possible, if not all the way through. So with that in mind, there's a few columns that we need to bring into uh, into play, which are outside of the default columns that Facebook provides you with in terms of the data. So above your ad set in the top right-hand corner, um, it's below, it's kind of below the, if you're in ads manager, it's below the ad sets tab. And it's got columns and you can click on that drop down menu of columns and you can actually go down to customize columns. And that will bring up a whole nother area of uh, options which you can customize for. And there'll be a search bar at the top and basically what you want to type in that search bar is video views. Oh, so video watches rather. And that will give you about five extra columns you can add to your ad sets uh, data. And it's got video watches at 25%, at 50%, at 75%, at 95%, and at 100%. So you want to go through and tick all those columns. And doing that is now going to give you a bunch of extra data in your ad sets. And we've been running it for a week at this point in this scenario. So we'll be able to now see how many people have watched the video to 25%, how many people have watched the video to 50%, 75%, 95%, and 100%. 
Now, those columns will now give you a better, way better idea immediately, especially if you've been spending the same amount of media across all three ad sets that you're split testing. That will give you a way better idea of which ad sets performing the is the best performer, variable to the overarching goal of we want to get people to watch this content and engage with it for as long as possible. I love that. So we're still targeting 10 second views when we set up the ads, but our Correct. private goal between us is a hundred percent. And it's not till you go in here and you start looking at these grids that you realize perhaps people outside the United States might be watching it more, but fewer are getting to a hundred percent. Right. And therefore maybe shut that off. Exactly. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. That's, that's correct. And if you want to go, uh, if you want to go down, I guess, down the rabbit hole of optimization a little bit further, you can then work out, and this is not a metric that this is a manual metric that you have to calculate. So you could export your, uh, in the same area in which the columns are, there's a little export button. So you could export all of this data to a CSV file and then open up Excel and then do some really simple math. But basically what we want to work out is what is the cost per 100% video views? Because the overarching goal is to get people to watch the videos 100% of the way through at the lowest cost, hmm. right? So that will give us an idea of, all right, People outside the US uh, are way cheaper, are way more engaged, and we're also getting way more, like 100% video views at a way lower cost. And the easiest, it's just a really simple sum. So the easiest way to do that is, let me just double check my math, but I believe it's just the amount spent um, divided by the video, uh, video watches at 100%. Awesome. Well, this is so much yep. more, um, so much more strategic than the way that we have been doing things, you know, with our vlog, you know, we would pretty much just boost it, <laughs> you know, yeah, and maybe yeah. do a little more than that, but not a lot, you know, and I like the idea of being strategic and trying to figure out which audiences are going to watch to a hundred percent and trying to get it just into the suggested video feed. Um, this has really, really been fascinating, Paul. Um, thank you for sharing no worries at all. the process. Um, why don't you tell everybody if they want to discover more about you, where they would find you? Absolutely. So paulramondo.com. So P-A-U-L-R-A-M for Mary, O-N-D-O.com. Or you can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com forward slash Media. Paul Romando, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Mike, thank you so much to you guys. And thank you to Social Media Examiner. Also to all the listeners, if you haven't been to Social Media Marketing World in San Diego before, I've been three years in a row. It is quite possible. And I've got to a lot of conferences, but I just got to, I got to give it a plug. It is quite possibly the best conference that I've ever been to. And it's, and I've been three years in a row and it just, it gets better and better every year at the San Diego Convention Center. If you're not thinking, if you haven't, if you're thinking about going, I would implore you, emphatically implore you to go because it's just, it's amazing. You'll learn a lot. You'll have a lot of fun and you'll meet some amazing people. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Appreciate Thanks, the plug. <laughs> well, I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. If there's anything we mentioned and you missed it, don't worry. We took all the notes. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 306. Stands for a lot of episodes. Also, never miss a future episode of this podcast by hitting that subscribe button on your player. And don't forget to check out our brand new Facebook Ads Summit the online event where you'll improve your ad strategy. fbsummit.info is where you want to go. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. 
The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.